Welcome to the Real Estate Raw Show, hosted by Joe Mendoza. Are you the engineering type or the thinker brain type? Well, today's show is just for you. We have an amazing syndicator who's bought lots and lots of multifamily, and he, in fact, was an engineer along with his partner. So if you ever heard this thing called paralysis by analysis, this show is for you. So sit back, enjoy the show, smash that bell to hear the latest and greatest on the Real Estate Raw Show. Thanks for being a listener and a loyal supporter of the show. Let's sit back and enjoy. Thank you. Hi, guys. Joe Mendoza here in sunny San Diego. Welcome to my show. Thanks so much for watching, subscribing, and sharing the great words of wisdom. Today, ladies and gentlemen, I have Pancham Gupta, who's a syndicator. He's done lots and lots of big properties, okay? He's a full-time multifamily syndicator. He's a host of Gold Collar Investor Podcast. And he's graduated from Carnegie Mellon University, spent 14 years in fintech industry in New York City. Welcome to the show, Pancham. How are you? Thank you, Joe, for having me. I'm doing great. Yeah, you know, I'm envious of sunny San Diego. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it is very sunny. It was almost 90 here yesterday. Could you oh, believe wow. that? Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Getting warm. Getting warm. All right, Pancham. So for my audience who doesn't know you, please tell us a little bit of your backstory uh, before real estate, before, you know, um, going to this very, very amazing university. Tell us a little bit about Pancham. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I was uh, born and brought up in India. I came here in 2003 to do my master's degree. And um, the idea at the time was that I'll get my master's, you know, get some years of work experience, then I'll move back home to, you know, start something on my own. And in 2009 and 10, actually, we sold everything except the mattress, me and my wife. And we found out that, uh, you know, we were expecting a baby. So, we delayed our plans. And in 2011, uh, you know, we decided to make this our country and, you know, uh, for forever. And uh, we started investing here. I read that book right behind you, uh, the rich that poor that the purple book and the cash flow quadrant book and started investing here, you know, and uh, started slowly and then, you know, expanded into five different states. I had single family homes, duplexes, triplexes, some Airbnb, condos, and um, started realizing that this is not scalable at all. So uh, started looking into ways of scaling it and uh, found syndications. And, you know, during all this time, I was, I started this as a hobby, to be honest, to real estate investing. And it became, uh, you know, over time, passion for me, I became really addicted and eventually became passion. And so I kind of uh, found syndications and decided to make this as my full time, you know, gig. And two years ago, I quit my job almost two years ago. And uh, yeah, now I do this full time. I, since then, I've sold all of my portfolio of single family homes, duplexes, triplexes. I still have something here locally. But other than that, yeah, I'm pretty much into syndications now. So that's the long Very and nice. short of it. Very nice. Very nice. So let's dig a little bit deeper into your story. That's amazing. So like, how many doors were you up to on like the single family, the Airbnbs? When you finally decided to like, you know what, this isn't going the route I wanted to go, or it was probably a lot more work. <laughs> 
and headache than you thought. Yeah, it is actually a lot more work. You know, people underestimate or I, I, I underestimated that, you know, I was working full-time job and I was doing all this, uh, you know, uh, during lunchtime or after, you know, it was, it was not easy between meetings and stuff like that. So I had about uh, between 15 and 18 doors approximately when I decided to do this. And uh, so it wasn't very many, but uh, I realized quickly that it's not the way I want to go. Got it. So you were, if you don't mind being open here, you were maybe cash flowing about how much with that amount of property? Yeah, that is, I, I actually have no problem sharing. I just don't remember exactly, but it would be uh, around between eight and $10,000 maybe. Right, right. Yeah. So that's still a pretty good number. I mean, when you take a look at, you know, what people collect off of retirement, eventually when they get there, you know, that sure beats social security, right? But yeah. you found out like, you know what? Hmm, there's gotta be a different way. So um, you were sharing earlier with me before we started recording that you've, you've taken properties full cycle where you, you started a syndication where you raised the money, you found the property, you did your value add and kind of rehabbed it, whatever, and then you decided to exit. Um, if our audience doesn't fully understand how long, like if somebody were invest with you as a syndicator, they threw down like 25,000, 100,000, and you've taken it full cycle, which good for you because some syndicators, they haven't taken it full cycle. They're just still kind of starting. What would the audience expect? Like, as far as like, how long would they have their money in there? Uh, what kind of rate of return, uh, the goods, the bads, et cetera. Sure. So it really, you know, depends from property to property. What we typically project for our deals is like five to seven year hold period. That's what we tell our investors. And also we have our projections at this point, we have about 14 to 15% IRR or, you know, and uh, when we project our, uh, when we do our projections and we actually raise the capital for the deals that we have, uh, you know, completed to full cycle, we have gone full cycle on two deals. There, we actually sold them much before our projections, uh, like projected exit. So the reason for that uh, was that, first of all, they were actually smaller in size and we wanted to kind of, you know, do economies of scale. So our one deal was like about 44 units and there was, uh, you know, one full-time leasing agent there. You need uh, one full-time leasing agent, whether it's 44 units or whether it's 90 units, right? So you get economies of scale and we wanted to scale in that market. And we were, ab we were able to finish our business plan and do the entire value add in the time frame of, uh, you know, 12 to 14 months. And we were able to sell it, uh, you know, at the month 23, which is just short of two years. And our returns for that particular deal was approximately 27, 27, 28 IRR. Uh, that's what we had for that deal. And obviously being our first deal and people, investors were very happy in getting that, you know, money back quickly. And, you know, they, then they reinvested with us and also bought some friends uh, alongside. So that definitely helped us to build the credibility uh, with the investors. That's incredible, Pancham. Congratulations. Thank so you. when you were starting out, so you were shifting gears to start doing your syndication. 
did you align yourself with multiple partners or you said, hey, you know what, I could pretty much do it all and let's go raise capital, let's do the underwriting, let's do the acquisition. Where was kind of your mindset when you were just making that transition into multifamily? Sure. So, you know, my mindset generally is like together, everyone achieves more, right, team. So it's me and my partner, two of us run Miso's Capital. But what what's the um, what our mindset was that we when me and my partner got together, we actually did multiple projects together before that, you know, that included fix and flips and some other things. And people like, in, uh, you know, my friends and family and his friends and his family, they saw what we were doing and they all were asking us to help them invest, uh, you know, money in outside of stock market and into the real estate stuff. So we had taken some private capital before and a lot of these people actually really wanted to invest with us and we just didn't have the opportunities, enough opportunities for them. So for us, it kind of happened organically where me and my partner, uh, you know, thought that we are going to, you know, do this and raise capital together. And uh, so when we found our first deal, we actually raised about, you know, $781,000 to be exact on that deal. And, you know, we, we just raised it from our friends and family. And, you know, our mindset generally is that, you know, we want to bring people on depending on the skill set and the need within the deal. So that that's what our mindset is. Got it. Got it. So when you look at your partner, uh, do you guys have almost the same skill sets or does one have stronger skill sets than the other? Um, how is the dynamic of your team? Sure. Actually, that's a great question. So me and my partner, right, we both are engineers by background, but we have very complementary skill set, right? So things that I want, I like to do doesn't mean that he cannot do, but he, you know, uh, you know, he doesn't like to do those things. And, you know, same thing for me. So what the way we have kind of divided our responsibilities is that I'm more like the investor relations and the broker facing person. So everything that happens before we close on the deal, kind of I take the lead on those things and anything that happens after we close on the deal, like three months after the cl close of the deal, he takes over, he takes care of the operations and the asset management. And I take care of the acquisition, broker relations, investor relations, and all that. That's awesome, Pancham. Now you mentioned the buzzword word earlier about business plan. Tell me like, or the audience, what's consisted in your business plan as you're putting together a potential acquisition? So that actually really depends on property to property, right? So I can break it down, uh, give you like a couple of examples where it kind of differed between property one and property two. So for the one that we actually went full cycle on, there our plan was that we want to improve the uh, you know, about 20 units or so out of 44. And then there was one building where there were structural issues. We knew that before going in, that we want to get that fixed and then we want to replace all the roofs. So our business plan was replace all the roofs, fix the structural issues, and for 20 units, renovate, like, you know, improve them, renovate them in, from inside, and also do water submitting, right? So we, we did all of that, and that 
took us whatever 12 to 14 months and that was the execution of our business plan once that was done the rents were at a level where we wanted them to be and the roofs were replaced and the you know the um structuring issue was fixed and all that and then we actually kind of sold that property so that was the business plan for that particular deal and the one that we just closed actually couple of months ago uh, that one is a 2007 built 126 unit so it's it's a completely different asset type every kitchen has a granite countertop already fireplace and stuff like that there we have a business plan of adding amenities so we're going to add a dog park we are going to add a children playground we are going to add a fire pit area and the pergolas and stuff over there right we're going to improve the clubhouse and the gym so and so that's the more of exterior and amenity value add and then on the inside we we are going to as the units turn change the lighting and change the appliances put more stainless steel appliances and stuff like that so it really depends on property to property so in this particular deal the one that we just closed there we are kind of going to get about 150 to 200 dollars rent bumps we are already getting that uh, you know without even do, putting in work but uh, you know once we put in that work we we are going to kind of solidify those uh, those bumps excellent poncham now there's a certain type of mentality out there or let's just say built into somebody's dna about uh, this thing called analytics and sometimes it could be a hindrance where people say paralysis by analysis Now I'm kind of thinking both of you guys are engineers how hard or how long do you analyze a deal before you say okay let's do it let's make an offer or an LOI and let's go That's a great question Jose and I can actually go on and on for this give, being engineers and we uh, we have I call that a disease to be honest that analysis paralysis really get paralyzed by the analysis of the thing so I'll give you a quick back story before we actually closed on our first deal me and my partner actually uh you know were looking at the deals for a very long time like i mentioned right we i had properties in five different states so i had broker relationships you know and i had told everyone that oh we are going to go into multifamily send us deals and they started sending us deals and we were flying all over the place and uh you know uh, it was you know we put an offer on it that was like way back when smaller properties 12 unit deal 30 unit deal we went under contract on a 78 unit deal uh, you know we closed none of them okay and the reason was that uh, you know either we were uh, we found something during the due diligence or we found that um, you know we didn't even go under the loi because we felt that the price was higher than it was a 12 cap but we wanted a 13 cap you know with the benefit of hindsight we could have bought every single one of them and we would be fine but you know being the because market was moving so fast that we were always behind right and our mindset was oh man we are overpaying for this right it, it should be 13 and this guy is like this is a 12 cap or whatever right so uh, that was the problem the problem was the analysis paralysis situation so that's when we actually thought me and my partner that hey man like we understand this business really well at least we have we've been educated already we've been spent so much time listening to podcasts going to all these conferences and stuff why are we not able to close on any deal and it came down to the mindset and the analysis paralysis we actually hired a coach to help us with just that piece 
to help us, you know, have someone else look over our shoulder and say, hey, this is fine. You know, the numbers, you know, it's okay that if you, if, if the market has moved on and you just need to find out. And yeah, so to answer that your question, and that was a long reply to your question that um, we have to kind of just see what the market is giving us and see if that works for us. Got it. No, that was great. That was great. So I like the word, the buzzword in there that you've mentioned about a coach, because sometimes it takes somebody to see that blind spot and push you a little bit over the edge, let's say to speak. Uh, you know, all these professional athletes, you're wondering they're at the top of their game, but they still have coaches. So I, I firmly agree that sometimes you need to bring somebody, a third party to make sure you're like, okay, don't, don't, get paralyzed by some of these yeah. things that that's part of partly built into your DNA. Yeah. Huh. Can I, can I, can I add this something to that? Sure, like, you please. know, I am such a huge fan of coaching at this point, like not coaching or mentors uh, to be specific that, uh, you know, being engineer, one thing I've realized is that sometimes you have this ego uh, that, Oh, you know what? I can figure this out. And the answer is yes, you can. But it's not about whether you can figure it out or not. It's about how quickly you can figure it out and implement it. It's about compressing the time frames. And you know, we reached uh, whatever sixty million dollars assets under management in X amount of time. It would have taken us ten years longer if we wouldn't have if it was not for the mentors or coaches. So same thing. I've I've used that philosophy now across different things. You know, I wanted to write a book. I, I hired a coach for that. I wanted to write a podcast, uh, do a podcast. So I hired a coach for that, right? So anytime I have to do anything, I look for people who have done it before and have made all the mistakes that, they, that, that are out there and just learn from them and just, you know, take that step. Unless you want to go to Mars where you will have to hire Elon Musk. But, you know, you, you know there is someone who's, who's done it before. Wow, that's a nugget for sure, Pancham. Thank you for being advocate of coaches because I, that's something I do and, and something that I, I am very passionate about doing is coaching people because it does make a difference from, like you said, either taking the long route or the quick and easy one where somebody yeah. probably already made the mistakes for you and then could get you there a lot quicker. So your goal now, you know, as the market is starting to shift, what have you, have you changed your plan a little bit or have you got more enthusiastic about what's going on do you mean because of covid and the pandemic Absolutely. and you know how okay so you know in last one year so it's we are in march uh, right and in last one year uh, we have closed actually two deals so our plan is still the same but we are very more much more conservative now, when it comes to some assumptions, you know, when COVID just hit, we had actually released our deal that we closed in July and that deal is doing amazing. And, uh, and, and we had kind of renegotiated the price because if you remember last March, everyone thought, oh, no, world is going to end and, you know, this, uh, no one is going to pay and all that stuff. And since then, the market has really shifted, whether it's stock market, whether it's crypto market, whether it's real estate, uh, especially multifamily, you know, the prices are going up and up. So we are now at this point very cautious. We are actually uh, watching it very closely and also looking at the deals at the same times. If something pans out, we, we would definitely do it, but we are just more conservative. Got it. Got it. Now, Pancham, something that kind of crossed my mind, like I, I hear this every now and then people approach me 
and say, hey, bring me a deal, show me a deal. You know, when, when you were talking to these commercial brokers before and now, what kind of line or script do you use typically to maybe get their attention? Because I don't think you're using that line, are you? No, we're not. So I'll tell you, right, this is a great question. But at the same time, given where the market is right now, uh, these brokers are actually very, very busy. Okay. And they actually want to talk to only people who are very serious. And how do you uh, kind of portray that, that you're serious is that it's just, you have to put in the time, you know, for the last four years, we've been flying. I was in, you know, our market, like last week, I spent three days there, spent time with them, looked at the deals, gave them feedback, even if we are not going to do the deal. And then, um, you know, and we've been seeing these brokers for the last four or five years. And they all know us at this point. And we have, with some of them, we have even closed the deals. So, you know, it's just, you have to put in the time to really get to know the broker and have them get to know you. And that's one thing. And given, um, I had some other thought regarding this, that you top five brokers, actually I shouldn't say top five, like top five to 10 brokers, depending on the market control, 80 to 90% of the listings when it comes to commercial property in, in any market. So it's not that there are very many people uh, out there, uh, brokers out there that you have to build relationship with. If you have a market in mind, you just find out the top brokers and just uh, start doing this basically. Well, Pacham, that's great, great tips. Now, uh, anybody out there that's listening, are there any favorite marketplaces that you're paying attention to or would strongly, strongly consider? See, there are many markets which are doing great. So we are focused in six markets uh, right now, three in North Carolina. We have Wilmington MSA, um, you know, Char Charlotte MSA and Raleigh MSA. And then we have two in Florida, Jacksonville and Tampa, and then Atlanta, Georgia. These are the six markets we are focused on. And that doesn't mean that there are, no, there are no other great markets. You know, I love Austin. I love Dallas. I love, you know, Phoenix. We, I live in New York. So we have a criteria. We have to be on the flight at six in the morning and be at the property by nine. If it doesn't meet that criteria, that market doesn't, it's out for us. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's what we kind of follow. Got it. Got it. And is there a minimum amount of doors that you're looking at or a price point? Yeah, minimum is 100 doors at least, uh, just from that scale uh, reason and price point. Uh, no, not really, to be honest, like we'll do a smaller deal, but uh, it's hard to find those. So, you know, our sweet spot is 10, between 10 to 30 million. Got it. And uh, any minimum cap rates or anything like that? No, I mean, minimum cap rates, yeah, we will have general market like, but, you know, I don't look at the cap rate uh, that way uh, at this point, you know, because cap rate is a very subjective number. A cap rate that you see, maybe uh, that's the seller's cap rate, right? Meaning uh, if the seller is local and they have thousand doors near the property that you're selling, they may be shuttling their, you know, uh, full-time leasing agent, which is doing only part-time there. And, you know, if I were to go and buy that property, I may have to put in two people for whatever reason. So my cap rate and their cap rate is going to be different because the expenses are different, right? So, yeah, you know, I wouldn't put a number for the cap rate, but I will say generally, whatever the going market cap rate is, we will look at the deals given at, at that cap rate, yeah. 
All right. And then when you do your spreadsheets, how about cash on cash or IRR, any minimums? Yeah. So for cash and cash, we have uh, seven to 8% at least. And uh, for IRRs, at least uh, 14, 13 to 15, basically at this point. Got it. Got it. Well, Pontum, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Any other words of advice, best way to get a hold of you or anything you're promoting? Sure. You know, I have a podcast and, you know, I actually have put down a report, which uh, a giveaway for people who are looking to diversify outside of Wall Street. I have top six reasons. And if they want that report, they can get it at the goldcollarinvestor.com forward slash download. I repeat the goldcollarinvestor.com forward slash download. They can find, get that report there. And if they want to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn and all the social media platforms. Uh, yeah, I'm always there. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Pancham, for being on our show and we wish you well. Thank you. Thank you, Joe, for having me. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I hope you learned as much as I did or more. So guys, Look at the comment thread. If you've seen something, heard something, want to learn more about something, please put it on the comment link below. If you're not a subscriber yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Go ahead and smash that bell to hear the latest and greatest on the show. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. I'm putting this channel together to hopefully add incredible value to you. And if you want to learn more about investing, you're new to investing, I highly recommend this book, Flex with a Plex. Also, this book, if you're having some challenges, as you can see, everybody on the show had some kind of adversity, including yours truly. So I shared a lot of that on Make It a Comeback, giving you some incredible tips to make a comeback. So get either one, Flex with a Plex, or Make It a Comeback. If you want to get more tips, go ahead and go to JoeMendoza.com. Again, subscribe, share, like, make a comment below. I really, really appreciate you. Want to add incredible value and wish you all the best in your success in real estate and in life. Take care. Our company is not responsible for the success or failure of your business decisions relating to any information presented by our company or our company programs, products, and or services.